It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 608 on a Saturday morning. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. I'm glad you're here. I am glad that I am here as well, along with Ashley Frasca, Scott Maxim. We will be here for the next three hours answering your garden questions in an attempt to make it a little bit easier. It's going to be a great morning. All you got to do is give me a call, 404-872-0750. Of course... There's also a time to confess one's mistakes. <laughs> Let me be the good example here and confess my mistake. As many of you know, I have a St. Augustine grass lawn. I know for years and years and years I used to say, y'all, you can't grow St. Augustine grass in Atlanta. It gets too cold in the wintertime. But I was wrong about that. <laughs> you can grow St. Augustine grass in Atlanta. It will do fine. Even in the last couple of years, we had pretty severe winters. My St. Augustine has done fine. has not had any winter kill. Everybody's happy. Except for people who have St. Augustine and have not looked and checked in the mid to late summer for an insect that is devastating on the grass, and that is the chinch bug. If you're from Florida and you had St. Augustine in Florida or Texas or Mississippi or lower Alabama, then you're very, very, very familiar with chinch bugs because they can invade a St. Augustine lawn. They inject a little bit of uh, poison, for lack of a better word. They inject stuff in the base of the blade and cause the upper part of the blade to die. And so you have this big, no, it starts small, the small area, big as your hand, and it gets a little bit bigger like a dinner plate, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And all of a sudden you notice it, and you say, man, it looks like that grass needs some water because it's browning out a little bit. So you put the water hose on it, and you just water it for a while, and come back in a week or so, and you look at it, and you think, Dad, got it, that place is bigger. What's going on here? Well, it's chinch bugs, and your host this morning went, well, actually it was, I guess, Monday of this past week, that somebody who is a new, new St. Augustine lawn owner said, do I have to worry about chinch bugs in Atlanta? And I said, well, of course, I have had them before, I've combated them correctly, and you know, I probably should go out and check my own lawn, <laughs> I should go do that this year. So I went out, checked my lawn, yep. Got the chinch bug in Walter's front lawn. What are we going to do? Let me tell you how, how you check. If you have a St. Augustine lawn, and the chinch bugs seem only to affect St. Augustine grass, so if you have some other grass, fescue or Bermuda or zoysia, don't worry about it. You don't have to do this. But there are two ways, two real good ways, to find out if you have chinch bugs in your lawn by actually capturing the creature, not just by observation, but by capturing the creature. And the first way is to get a big bucket and put a couple tablespoons of dish detergent in there, something that foams up real good, and take that, stir the water up real good, and then spread it over a, I don't know, a two-foot by two-foot square area and still have the foam, you know, on top of the ground, on top of the grass there. It won't hurt the grass at all to have a little bit of detergent on it. And then take an old beach towel, just an old, white, light-colored, you know, beige or something like that towel and lay it very gently over that area where you spread the detergent and water. And then take it off in about five minutes and lo and behold, all the chinch bugs that were down in the grass will climb up and they'll flood up on top of the, on top of the uh, soap suds and they'll get onto the towel and when you flip it over, you look at it, you see 5, 10, 15, 20 of these little creatures sort of scurrying around on the 
on the top of the towel. That's one way. The other way is to use a vacuum cleaner. That's what I did. I went and have an old sock that uh, was not exactly holy all the way. It was pretty worn in the heel and just put the sock over the end of my shop vac nozzle so it came down my little cup inside the nozzle and then took that and in several places around the lawn I went sucking up whatever debris, whatever things might be in the grass. As it sucked all those things up, it got well, yeah, I took it out, took the, turned the vacuum cleaner off, took it over to a piece of white paper and dumped out the contents of my old sock and then used a magnifying glass to look and sure enough, there are little nymphal teach bugs running around. <sighs> they don't do as much damage as the adults do, but the, the immature ones are not, not uh, great things to have on your lawn either. Now, this is what they look like. The, the chinch bug goes through a couple of stages of life, egg, larvae, and then those little nymphs come out. And it's the nymphs that I saw yesterday. And they're about, let me hold my fingers up right here, they're about an eighth of an inch, a scant eighth of an inch long. And the backside, the top of them, is uh, grayish. It has a little sort of gray stripe across the top of the back. The adults then have red in that place. And so you can tell adults from nymphs because the adults are red and the nymphs are, are gray. And so sure enough, I saw them, of course, in my vacuum cleaner debris that I, that I put out on the piece of white paper. And so we got what we're going to do about that. Went to the garden center, went to Pike, got me some lawn insecticide, just general purpose lawn insecticide. And in particular, the kind that you can screw onto the end of your garden hose. I think that's the easiest way to do it. All right, screw it on the end of your garden hose, turn the water on, and then walk backwards as you spray your lawn. Spraying thoroughly, making sure everything's wet. The particular insecticide that I use says it's a systemic insecticide, so it's absorbed by the leaves. It goes down to the bottom of the St. Augustine grass plant, and then anything that feeds on it dies, which is what I want to happen. So I went out and uh, sprayed the insecticide on my lawn, hopefully killed the chinch bugs. End of story. What does that mean, though, for my two neighbors who have St. Augustine? I need to probably go over and vacuum their lawn a little bit and uh, see if they have it, too. I bet they do. I'll bet they do. If you have questions about St. Augustine lawns or about fescue lawns and Bermuda lawns, if you've got questions about your shrubs, your trees, your flowers, anything else that has to do with the garden topic, you can give me a call at 404-872-0750. If you need my advice about choosing a mower, well, that's also in my purview. And this morning, our friend Nicole down in Griffin, Georgia, joins us. Hey, Nicole. Miss Ray. Miss Nicole, you want a real lawnmower? What do you want? Now, you see, uh, instead of using your lawnmower with an engine, yeah. I, I have a real, you know, the one that turn, turn, turn? The one that you, is motorized or the one that you push? Push, but no motor. Boy, those bring up bad memories for me. We had one when I was a kid. That was the only kind of lawnmower most anybody had. And it was work to push that sorry thing around our lawn. Mystery, talking about that. <laughs> My father... We didn't have no money either, yeah. and uh, he started to cut the lawn with a scissor. Oh, oh man, him. That's worse and than then that. he got a real because I mean there was just so much work, you know. But didn't want to spend no money, didn't want yeah. to borrow any money to buy himself a lawnmower until he had the money to buy a lawnmower. Sure. And I was thinking about that this week because my grass was some places are not very even, but not enough <laughs> to use the the big motor thing. And I was telling myself, could we, you don't need to go to the gym. Just do that <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> it was good exercise. Oh. The thing that we had was 
iron, steel, something really, really heavy, had a wooden T-handle on it. You just push that thing back and forth. Of course, we were too poor like you to have it sharpened properly, and so it was dull. It would get grass all clogged up in it. Not the funnest thing in the world. Now, now, Nicole, that's not to say there these days they're not real lawnmowers. Push lawnmowers that don't do a pretty good job and are a lot better than those old ones. There's one that Fiskars, F-I-S-K-A-R-S, Fiskars makes one, and uh, Scott's makes one as well. I've had both of them and tried both of them on my lawn, and they're a lot easier than the old monstrosity that we used to have. Well, that's what I have, too, but you have to find somebody that knows how to shop it oh, no, without damage. That is a, that's a good thing to think about. There are a couple of places in Atlanta, Keen Edge, which is over, used to be, I guess, over on Mountain Industrial. I don't know if they're still in business or not because I haven't been there in five years, but Keen Edge was a great place to get things like that sharpened. Well, uh, the uh, you see the the uh, weed that's got a yellow flower this time to you. Yeah. Oh, this son of a gun. If you walk on it five, five times, it's still going to cut it. The weeds have gotten tough. That's the best way to describe it. The stems of weeds in the mid to late summer begin to toughen up because they know this is their last chance to flower, put some seeds out, become a nuisance for you for next year, 2016. So weeds are becoming more and more resistant to anything you do, mowing, spraying, anything else. They don't They don't want to be dead because they want to procreate themselves. Well, the reason why I want to cut it is because I know the fleas get on top and the little cat don't have much leg, you know. <laughs> so the, all the fleas get on the cat because, and we have to tell people, if your yard is always long and then you're complaining, your animals always get fleas. That's the reason That's why. part of it. You're exactly right. And, you know, honestly, another thing about weeds, going back to my weed uh, remarks, weeds, if you mow them frequently, have less time to make seeds. And so you get a double advantage. Less insects, like you said, less weeds, like I said, all of which says mow the lawn regularly, make sure it does not get too high. I always thought if you use a bagger, would the, you suck it up all the uh, weed, I mean the seed for the next season? With a bagger? I think you suck up some, but my feeling is you're not going to get much better weed control by bagging the plants than you do just by just by leaving them on the ground, I think, is probably not enough to worry about. But anyway, that was a good workout. <laughs> it was a good workout. I spend money to be a member of a gym when I could be home pushing my mower, a real lawnmower around my yard. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And sweating like a <laughs> Don't talk about the sweating. It was hot this week. Nicole, it's great talking to you. We'll see you next Saturday. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day, too. It's 618, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. To celebrate today's high temperatures, we're going to be honoring the number 8. Why? Because this afternoon, the temperatures are not going into the 9s. They're going to stay in the 8s. Kirk Miller says temperature around uh, 88, 89 this afternoon. Very slim chance of rain, not much at all. And overnight, the, the lows go into the mid-60s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Hugh is down in Jonesboro, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hugh, good morning. Yes, sir. 
Uh, I rooted a gardenia. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to. I just cut a bloom for my parents' <laughs> old bush. Yeah. And after the bloom died, I just left it. And lo and behold, roots came out. I'll be done. And so I let some more go. And I put it in a container with some good soil. And it is taking off. Now, I want to keep it. But you and Erica in your book say, put it out in the spring. Well, here it is in August. Mm-hmm. So what should I do? How big? When you say it's taken off huge, does that mean it's six inches high, a foot high? How big is it? No, no, it's not that high. Maybe six inches high. You know what I would do? This is something that I would take particular pride in, Hugh, because, you know, some people try to root gardenias and it never works for them. Here you are just accidentally rooting a gardenia. You're doing pretty good. So my process that I would do myself if I was in the same situation is to find a little place maybe beside the house, maybe someplace that's a little sheltered, maybe it's a rock in the in the landscape, big you know, giant boulder in your landscape, which is somewhere that's a little bit sheltered from winter cold. And I would dig an area, a couple of feet in diameter, add some soil conditioner, make sure it's nice and rich and gray and not red clay at all, and plant it there for at least now until next spring. And then in very early spring, like first of March maybe, dig it up, plant it in a place that you know you want it permanently, and let it just go to town. Let it grow and bloom and make Hugh's life better. Okay. So, uh... So I, I could, why couldn't I just go ahead and put it in the permanent place now? Because I'm scared that sometimes you might choose a really hot or really exposed or really, you know, not such a good environment for a young little tender plant like that. So I want to have it at least a little time in the ground, able to grow roots and thrive, but not actually be in the chance of being a place where it could uh, could be killed. Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much. And look, I got one of those uh, real mowers. Yeah. And I call it my exercise machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It is your exercise machine. You, let's go ahead and go see who's going to come in the next few minutes in this morning. Linda's in Madison, Georgia, has Bermuda grass or little dead spots on it. Pat says her bottom half of the knockout rose is dying. David and Tucker says peony, a tree or a bush. When does it mature? Muhammad and Kennesaw will join us, and Russ and Griffin wants to know about soil conditioner for thinning grass. We'll be back right after news. So Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 636 on a Saturday morning, 69 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you, and you, and you over there driving on 285, and you still laying in the bed, and you having coffee on the back porch. All of you, I'm here to help. All it takes is a phone call, 404-872-0750. Linda's out in Madison in Morgan County and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Linda, good morning. Good morning. What's up? I have a problem that maybe started last year. Uh, my Tift Bermuda has dead areas of various sizes, and uh, we first thought we might be mowing too short, but we raised the mower, and my lawn got a slow start, I think, this year because of all the polar onion that was there. I always use halts, but 
it never helps. All so, right. Uh, can you help me? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I almost, I almost signed a pledge to myself that I was going to stop talking about lawn spots. They are so hard to diagnose correctly without a laboratory to actually send a sample to it and say, what is this? And the University of Georgia has a laboratory, but, you know, I don't have the time to send samples in of everybody or tell everybody to send a sample in because it takes a while to get done. You want an answer now. You want me to tell you that you have brown patch or dollar spot or spring dead spot or many of the other things that cause dead spots in Bermuda lawns. So I start with sometimes just the obvious things. Are you mowing it correctly? You've already told me that you're mowing it a little bit higher than you used to, which I think is probably the best thing to do. Um, I will ask about uh, irrigation. So for you, uh, Linda, do you irrigate, or is it just left to Mother Nature? Irrigate. And how much? About um, an inch a week. An inch a week's right. All right, that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. An inch a week, one time, good, mm-hmm. right thing. Uh, how many times have you fertilized so far? That's a good answer. Fine. It could have been three, but two is fine. You fertilize, you fed it right. And then after that, it becomes a guessing game because you fertilize it right. You've, you've watered it. Um, you know, you, you haven't told me anything that's a smoking gun that would cause spots in the lawn. So I can suggest that you call the Morgan County Extension Office and say, hey, I'd like to send a sample of my grass to the lab, find out what it is. Or you can start looking for things that are less obvious than disease, including is it just hard in those spots? Sometimes when it gets dry weather in the summertime, hard spots die first because they don't have a good place for the roots to grow. So if you know that was the place that used to be home plate for a bunch of kids who lived in the house <laughs> before and uh, or the front of the, the soccer goal or something like that that you don't know much about, if the ground is hard, any kind of grass is not going to be happy there. Okay. If the if the if the ground is hard because it might be in some high spots yeah. or higher spots okay. I would say um, what do I do Well you can That's you can breath. aerate in place if the spots are not too huge and hopefully you have some energy on these hot afternoons or maybe do this in the morning but after it rains or maybe right after your irrigation one day right after your irrigation get a pitchfork or a spading fork is even better and just jam it in the soil and wiggle it a little bit putting holes in the ground and wiggle the tines of your fork a little bit to aerate the soil manually in the places that are that are dead you don't want to have to go and chase that big tiller that you rent from the rental place around the yard too many times. That's hard work. But right now, a little manual aeration. Maybe spray the area around it with some uh, liquid miracle Grow to sort of give the grass a little boost. And that's about all I can suggest. If you don't send a sample to the lab in Athens, then we're just going to start with sort of maybe, maybe, maybe. I hope this works. Okay. And do you think the, the excessive poor annual... Yeah. Uh, what can I do for that that costs such a late start? Do, do two applications. Do one in very early March. I mean last week of February to the first two or three days in March. Do one application then. Be sure it's watered in because it's got to be watered in to activate the chemical. And wait about six weeks. So let's see, March, April. So sometime after the middle of April, do another application then. That'll get... If not 100%, it'll get in the high 90s control of Poa annua from germinating. Okay, so I, I do need the six weeks later. Whoa, 
Excuse me, wait, wait, wait. I just had a brain fog there a little bit, Linda. Actually, the time to do the POA annua uh, pre-emergent applications in the fall. I'm not sure what I was thinking there, but it wasn't thinking about POA annua. So in the fall, do two applications. Do one around the first week of September and the next one around um, just before Thanksgiving. That would would work well for POA annua. Before Thanksgiving. Yep. Okay, thank you so I was much. thinking about crabgrass and got my, my answers all confused there, but let's do a fall application to prevent POA. Okay, thank got you it? so much. Thanks for calling, Linda. Bye-bye. It's great talking to you. David is in Tucker, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, a, a quick little fact on those real mowers. Yeah. Getting them sharpened is surprisingly expensive, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got to be very carefully aligned with the bed of the of the machine and like I say the place that I used to take things to for sharpening was Keen Edge out in Tucker I'm not sure if they're still there but there's a couple of other more maintenance places around the metro area so you can google you know more maintenance or lawnmower blade sharpening or something like that there are a couple of machine shops that do a great job doing that right uh, well I was made aware of, of peony trees yeah. but my impression is it's really kind of a just a taller form of a peony bush and they don't grow very fast but they're really rewarding once you have one and are willing to allow three to five years for it to bring to full growth is that correct yeah i've got one one because they cost so much in the beginning to buy i've got one tree peony that is spectacular when it blooms it is just the greatest thing in the world. And the blooms only last about 24 hours, and then the next one comes, and the next one comes, and after you've had about, oh, I don't know, eight or ten maybe blooms on it, boom, it's gone. And that's the end of that for, for the year. But tree peonies are a different kind of peony from the what are called herbaceous peonies, the ones that have the green stems and die back to the ground. A lot of people have herbaceous peonies, but the tree peony has a, has a limb structure that stays permanently on the plant. So they're really not that durable in terms of the flowering period? Not long, no. You just you, you live for that spectacular opening and the blooming and then the dying within the next couple of days. That's the end of that. But it's still, like I say, it's worth the wait. Some of them are really, really pretty. They're, again, I'll mention again, expensive, like 50 to $70 a piece. But you can get some that are actually hybrids between tree peony an herbaceous peony that uh, I got one from Pike called Bartzella. I think that's the name of it, Bartzella or Brunzella or something like that. And it works very well and it has a longer bloom season than the uh, tree peony does. Very variation in color. Oh yeah, blue. man, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got yellows and whites and flecks and reds and all sorts of colors. Purples, yeah, spectacular purple. Sure, you can find them online. You can find, as I say, the hybrids with pike. Uh, but they're they're interesting plants. I am not sorry that I have my tree peony, which is really a shrub peony. It's only about two, two and a half maybe feet high. So it's not going to be a tree. It's going to be a little tiny shrub. But it's still worth the wait, I think. Wow, and the usual maximum sun, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, a little bit of afternoon shade wouldn't hurt his feelings at all. Okay, all right, thanks so much. Make it, make it pretty in Tucker for me, David. Okay. We'll see you, man. 643, whose turn is it next? Russ is out in Griffin in Spalding County and joins us. Hey, Russ, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thank you, sir, for taking my call. Love the show. You're a hoot. Hoot, hoot, hoot. What can I do for you, Russ? <laughs> I've uh, been trying to reclaim <clears throat> my yard after buying the house. A couple of years ago, the yard was just a mess, and I have a couple of spots um, that are red clay, and the grass just has trouble growing. Sure. So I was calling to see if I could add soil conditioner right on top of that, 
and uh, helps the grass kind of move into those areas. Yeah, you do it the way that I advised the lady just now when she was going to use the pitchfork or the spading fork to do it. Spread right. a layer, oh man, Russ, about just a quarter of an inch deep with soil conditioner. You can use potting soil you know, out of a pot that you don't use anymore, but some kind of organic stuff, matter and spread it in a quarter-inch thick layer. Take your spading fork and jab it in the ground once it's rained, once the ground is a little bit softer. Jab it in, wiggle, 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 and sort of in place mix the organic matter with the clay. Awesome. Thanks, sir. It'll work. It's hard work. I'm not telling you that it's easy to do this. So do it in the morning. Do it after it rains. Do it at some comfortable time, but mixing in the organic matter. Not a bad idea and certainly will make the grass happier. All right. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you so much, Hunter. Thanks for calling, Russ. All right. Bye-bye. Pat's out in Marietta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Pat, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have a double knockout rose bush that is dying from the bottom, yet the green is all brown, and yet the green is still, uh, the top is still green. Hmm. <laughs> does, it, does the bottom of it look like it has a black spot, that common rose disease? Nope. It's just plain old dark brown. <laughs> wow, when did you plant it? Oh gosh, they've been up four, five, six years now. I've yeah. got two others as right. well, and one of them is just as healthy as it can full as it can be. The other one that's in front of it, it looks like it's starting to try to lose some brown at the bottom as well, but this is the only mm. one of the three, and it's crazy. I mean, the top is still <laughs> green, but yeah. the bottom is just, all the bottom is dark brown. All of these are dead. The stems look dead, everything. And there's no chance it got sprayed with weed killer or anything like that down low? Uh, you know what? I don't know. But I sprayed for weeds, but I killed, I, the grass around it didn't die, but maybe it <laughs> did get some on the bush. That's the only thing I can think of of why the top would be fine and the bottom would be not so fine. If it were a drought issue, usually the top would be brown and the bottom would be green. But that's you got it opposite from that. Yeah. So my thought turns to chemical injury or some other kind of physical thing happening to the base of the tree. And uh, if it still, you know, is only the bottom and the top looks pretty healthy, I just wait and sort of see what goes on and see if I can make any other evidence and clues about it myself. I don't know what's going on with yours, but weed killer is the only one I can think of. Yeah, is it is it salvageable? Will it come back? I would think if the top is green, it'll be perfectly fine. I would think that. And, you know, one option here is simply to wait till next year and see what happens, see if more buds around the bottom pop out. And if they do, you can prune off the top and down to the area where it seems pretty healthy at the bottom, maybe even a foot, two feet maybe tall, and uh, let it grow from that point upward, and hopefully it'll thrive for you. Well, now, when I cut all these bushes, I cut them all back down. I, I, it's from the fall. You yeah. trim all your bushes back up. So it's okay to go ahead and trim it back with the other two. And should I cut all the dead limbs off of it or just let nature take it? You know, I'm, I'm still curious as to what exactly is going on, Pat. So me, I would not cut all the dead limbs off of it. Maybe shorten them to make it neat for the winter. Yeah, sure. But I would not do a severe pruning. I'd, and I'd do it November, December, maybe January, even not early in the fall at all. Just later when the leaves are mostly falling off. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Hopefully, maybe. Keep your fingers crossed, Pat. 
Okay, thank you. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750 is the number of this lawn and garden. Carol and Marietta has azaleas that needs to plant them a little deeper than it says, and she needs advice on that. Jim's in Atlanta, has some sandy soil in South Carolina, but he can't grow grass, so he's got the opposite condition of people with clay in their soil. And Wade's in Mississippi, we'll get to him in just a little bit. Connor and Jasper has an oak tree with white sap coming out of it. Boy, do I know what that is. It's 648. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, it's going to be a lot pleasanter if that's a word, it's going to be more pleasant today than it was earlier in the week. Today, we're not even going to get into the 90s. It's going to be a very nice afternoon, very slim chance of rain, and overnight the temperatures go down into the mid-60s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. From Mississippi, my friend Wayne calls in. Hey, Wayne McLaurin, great talking to you. Hey, talking to you, Walter. How you doing? I'm doing fine. So what's going on over there for a retired extension agent? Oh, I'm down on the beach watching the sunrise this morning with coffee. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to tell you my paniculatas at uh, Chantilly Lake yeah, yeah. and also the uh, Phantom are just in just beautiful right now. And these are hydrangeas, Wayne? Yes. Yeah. The I went... paniculatas are just just fantastic. I went to Oakland Cemetery in downtown Atlanta the other day, and they have done a fabulous job planting hydrangeas and other plants around there. And you're right, the paniculata hydrangeas are beautiful, gorgeous, well, gorgeous plants. It's the only thing I've got blooming now, almost. Yeah. And uh, But it has just been fantastic. And uh, Sylvia said to tell you hello. She has gone back to school for a master's in landscape architecture. I think she needs a master's in husband management, but we'll go. We won't, <laughs> we won't go there, Wayne. I think she's probably already mastered, maybe has a doctorate in that, because she had to have been married to you for so long. How's the? Uh, you were one of the instigators of the Master Gardener program in Georgia, weren't you? Yes, yes, one of the uh, few things I did well over there. Uh, but uh, it is a, it's still a fantastic program. How are y'all doing over there? I think Master Gardeners are just great. I do, you know, a couple of classes myself every year, Wayne, and the quality, the enthusiasm, the knowledge that they bring to the classes is so much better than maybe it was 20, 30 years ago when the program was started. I do the one mostly for uh, the metro Atlanta area, and commonly they'll have 80 to 100 people representing four or five counties around metro Atlanta. Um, I sometimes do a talk for the South Metro Master Gardener trainings down there, and they just do projects all over the place. Well, I uh, I am so proud of all of that Master Gardener program. It's just unreal the the good that they do for gardeners. For listeners who want to know how to be a master gardener, bottom line, you call your local county extension office. The magic number is 1-800-ASK-UGA and the number 1. 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. Leave a message and say, hey, I want to know more about the master gardener program and when it starts, when the classes and all that kind of stuff go, and you get all the details. 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. Well, listen, Walter, enjoy talking to you, and y'all have a really good day. And you tell and, that uh, blessed we Sylvia. Will, we'll be hollering at you later, okay? Tell Sylvia I said hey as well. Thanks for calling, Wayne. Okay. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750.
404-872-0750. Wayne McLaren, there are people that you work with. I'm sure each one of you has had a, a job where you have lots of coworkers. You have some people that stand out in your career. Wayne McLaurin, one of those guys that stands out in my career. He taught me a lot of stuff about vegetable gardening. He would do trainings for the lower, you know, lower case extension agents like me because he was a specialist. He had his doctorate from the University of Georgia, but he was very, very plain spoken. He would give the information in ways that we could understand and then could pass it on to the folks that we were working with in our own particular counties. And so Wayne McLaurin means a lot to me and all the extension specialists at the University of Georgia mean a lot to me as well as the extension agents now who are also very, very much better prepared than I ever was when I started working for the extension service 30 years ago. Kudos to all of them. Right now it's 6.57 at News Talk WSB. More Lawn and Garden right after news.